What's up, Eichmer fans? Today, I'm here with Andy Schleck with the Tour de Luxembourg and Adam Kramer with N Zero. And the two of them came together to figure out what is the actual like carbon footprint and the environmental footprint of a major cycling race. So guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us on board. Yeah, so I'll let you introduce yourselves real quick, just so people know whose voice is whose. Andy, if you want to go first. Yeah, so hi, I'm Andy Schleck. I'm a former professional, so I know a lot about cycling and bike races and events. I did many of them, and uh, I retired in 2014. So 2014 was my last season as as a pro athlete. And uh, yeah, since then, I opened a few small businesses in Luxembourg, which are bike shops, and I joined N0 right from the beginning in 2018, helped doing the lobby work uh, to implement them in Europe. And yeah, I'm part of the family since then. Awesome. Adam? I'm Adam Kramer, CEO of N0. And just a little background, N0, as you did a great job there, Tyler, is like we are helping organizations around the world understand what their environmental impact is, everything from professional cycling races to some of the largest manufacturers and building operators in the world so they can make the decisions to reduce their impact. I'm located in Reno, Nevada, and hopefully it's pretty easy for your listeners to tell the difference. Uh, I do not have a Luxembourgish accent, so uh, (laughs) that'll make this podcast listening a bit easier today. Yeah, sweet. All right, so I'm curious, how did you two come together? Like, What was the impetus to measure the footprint of a cycling event because i i've got so many questions because it's just there's so many things that happen at a race right where'd this idea come from since i'm part of of m0 was going a kind of hand in hand we actually thought like what can we do how can we also prove that we are you know taking care about our I'm at the footprint and yeah, since it was, uh, since I'm working uh, with Adam for a while now together, uh, we suggested that they partner up with the race to show actually that we care, that we uh, do something to, you know, be better in, in the future. So first of all, this year was the first edition. We are still collecting data left and right. Uh, it should be finished in, in, in a week from now where we have then the, the full, the full report. And um, but based on fact and figures, we, we want to be better in the future and also show that, that we are, actually taking a step in the right direction. It was in the beginning, it, it went quite quickly. I mean, we presented the idea. Philip Gruber, which is another partner of, of N0 from Luxembourg, which helped me also with, with the race, uh, with organizing the race. It went, you know, it was uh, a few talks and then we said, okay, let's start that. Let, let's, uh, let's do that project together. And I think actually we got a lot of, a lot of attention, uh, not just in Luxembourg, but basically all over. All over the globe uh, by now that we taking that step uh, into the right direction. Yeah, and for us, I think the biggest thing was is like I don't know a sport that is more affected by the environment than cycling. And you know, cycling all around the world is about kind of taking in the the, the world around you and and exploring and enjoying. And so, even more stewardship is required in the cycling community to help protect that and to make sure that the impact from the professional races can be minimized and hopefully eventually to a net zero as we go forward. And and Andy had this incredible vision of how we were able to do this, starting with the Tour Deluxe and tracking all of those emissions, everything in the race, both in support of the race, during the race, and and following the race, so that the teams, that the event itself, the community could understand 
the impact coming from the event and more importantly that the that the tour was able to help mitigate much of that impact right see yeah it's funny like up until this point i was only thinking during the race but you just said like leading up to the race i mean you have all the promotional efforts right which presumably is i don't know banners flyers billboards maybe locally stuff like that but like how deep did you go because there's just so much and, and let's just for now, like focus just the event itself before we even start talking about like the teams and everything ancillary to it, right? So we were measuring everything starting from the travel and the arrival of teams and equipment to the event. And then at the event, we were measuring what were the emissions from the support vehicles? What were the emissions from the hotel room nights? What were the emissions from waste or rubbish and any other emissions that could have been happening in support of that event that were directly a cause of that event? as well as when they leave the event. And so that's kind of the compilation of this data. And you can see how it's a, a really difficult problem, right? Because you have disparate data. We have different teams. We have the tour. How do we put this all together to create a really comprehensive picture so people understand, hey, here was the environmental impact in totality of the Tour Deluxe. And here were the things that were done to reduce that impact along the way as we move forward. And we were really excited. We, we actually be soon ready to announce we had a a race to net zero for the teams to try and reduce their impact. So we gave them some tips and, and worked with them to help them understand where their environmental impact was coming from so they could try to reduce it. And Andy, I mean, you did a great job working with those teams to kind of get them encouraged and on board with this. No, before the race, I mean, we have these big meetings with, with all the teams and I explained them the, I explained them the concept. And because sometimes you need to push them a little bit in the, in the right direction, um, you know, if you get, you know, questions asked, uh, please, you know, urge them to, to ask because it, it's important for us and not just us as a race organizer, but we basically report directly back to our politicians because, you know, the race, uh, a big sponsor is, is, is politics in Luxembourg, you know, enable that we can do the race. And, um, I have to say it was really well received. I think if we would have done this, Four or five years ago, and we would not have had uh, this positive feedback, not just from the teams, but even from the riders. Um, when we talk to them, they ask questions because it's something completely new. I mean, it had been done in the past in races as well, but not as deep as, as we go this year. Yeah, I, speaking of deep, so I want to get kind of granular. I'm thinking it's not just the teams, right? Like you have trucks going in the day before the morning of setting up the barriers and the signs, right? And then they're going back in and pulling all that stuff up. You have crews coming in to set up the stage, you know, the sound system. Like, I mean, it's just like, what are like three or four or five things that the average person coming to enjoy the race or watching it online or on TV or something like would never even think of that are maybe some of the bigger contributors to emissions or carbon? I'm looking at the data right now. One of them was like, the volunteers commuting to and from the race every day to actually support it, right? We were tracking their emissions going to and from the race. That ended up being about 3% of the emissions from the event was that commute coming back and forth to your point, right? Like the things you're not thinking about, like the team setting up the barriers, you know, looking at freighting in goods. You talked a lot about that where it's like, it's not just goods, but it may be the barricades. It may be some of the other material race support materials coming in there. And then looking at one, of course, that just always stands out is the fuel consumption for those support vehicles that, that is there. And what's neat about this is, is that there, there are some now uh, electric vehicle uh, uh, sponsors that are part of this, like Skoda, uh, which was there. And so being able to help them measure the, those emissions too. 
the volunteer commuting is one you probably don't think about as an admission for the race, but it is. They're coming in and out for that race every day to support it. That is a piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about Skoda because they're an automobile company. They're a sponsor of the event. Were they using hybrids or full electric vehicles throughout for the support vehicles and everything else? Yes, full electric cars, um, like the leading cars, the, the, the red Enyaqs who, who need the cars. We had uh, about 15% full electric cars, if my picture is right. But we had um, all the others were hybrid cars. We had no fuel or diesel cars on site, except of a few Volkswagen minivans, which we had for, for VIPs. Uh, all the rest of so the in-race cars were all uh, hybrid from the organization, unless the 15%, which were full electric cars. Cool. So was this event mainly, or, or this first one, mainly a exploratory, let's figure this out type thing? Or were you giving recommendations to the teams and the crew and everybody else in advance to say, hey, here's some things you can do as you're preparing for this to reduce your emissions this year? Inside our organizations, we took care. We organized that we had, like Adam just mentioned them, the volunteers who commute to the event that we had, that they shared uh, minivans and, and buses. So basically collecting them and, and bringing them back home or in order to only use one vehicle. Everything what we tried already to do before this. Also from the organization, we did commuting. Uh, no one was really going alone to the race. So we always tried to organize. It was a big, it was a big part of work to organize all of that. But we also knew what we we're going to do. And we also want to, you know, do it better, you know, start working before we do the, the full report on the race. So these are things which we put in place. Also having more electric vehicles on the race uh, from the organization. Catering is another point where we uh, took quite big efforts, hard discussions. But yeah, we managed already to reduce quite a lot on the organization part. With the teams, it was more like the first time, you know, we, we need to see, okay, how 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 can we reduce that but a big impact always is the the travel how the people and how the riders and how the staff of the teams uh, actually come not commute but come to the race this is something we 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 need to put into consideration uh, in the in the future years yeah when you're talking about catering you're talking about like you know using paper versus plastic and kind of getting rid of single-use plastics and stuff like that or all of the glasses for example they were recycled plastic glass cups the beer tasted not as great than in the glass, but at least, you know, we, we did something, <laughs> we did something. Even like the ovens of the catering before the use ovens with water, we try to, which are quite heavily impacting. And, uh, yeah, we motivate them to already prepare everything beforehand on carton or, or paper. So there was like more small dishes that we don't have to do so much on the spot. By the way, we're recording this just about a week and a half after the event closed, so presumably you're still crunching some data and all that. But what were maybe two or three big takeaways that surprised you when you started seeing all of the numbers come in? You know, the biggest thing that really surprised us was the disparity between what our expectations were going to be for the uh, environmental impact versus what they actually were in a really positive way. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that before the race, we kind of made people aware that we are going to be tracking this. We had this race to net zero. Andy had been working and talking with the teams and working with and talking to the support groups, as he just mentioned, the caterer, some of these other organizations to really get them aware of how can we reduce this impact. And it showed up directly in the numbers. So what's exciting for us about that is how we were able to take 
that data in and, and, and processes, that this is going to give us a lot of insights for next year on being able to support and maybe support some other races in the interim as we do this as well. And I think one of the other things that, you know, from a data standpoint that was really surprising was the impact, not necessarily from the race itself, but from the load in and, and move out of the race, right? There was a lot of movement that goes with this, looking at everything from how riders arrive to how they leave to how the teams arrive, how the teams leave. And so like what I'm curious, like what are some of the recommendations or what are the things the teams can do? Because they have the big trucks, right? There is a lot of trucks moving in, a lot of trucks moving out at the beginning and end of the race. What were some of the takeaways that you're giving to the teams now so they can reduce their footprint? Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as how do you get to the event? I mean, some riders flew from Paris to Luxembourg. You could take a train there, right? And it is a dramatically lower impact. It's also a lower cost, which is good for these teams, which is good for for cycling in general. How they uh, stage and position equipment for the event, like you just talked about there, which is, is there opportunities to more together on 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 co-shipping and, and doing some of this other stuff depending on how they're bringing equipment to and from those events so really just a, a an opportunity to think about how people arrive and then ultimately leave the race and some of those logistics can't be changed because they're on a tour and they're going from tour deluxe to the next event to the next event and and it is what it is but there are some teams and some opportunities where they can make decisions on 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 their travel different going forward yeah, I did just read that the F1 circuit had, I think, between three of the different events, uh, some of the teams were using biodiesel fueled trucks and it cut their emissions by like 85% or something. So that's a little bit bigger picture, you know, when you got to buy new trucks or retrofit. But I thought it was really cool that they were able to cut it by so much. Yeah, no, I, well, and actually, to that point, I mean, the fact that the presenting sponsor of the race was deploying a lot of electric vehicles with what Skoda is doing. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that you can do for this and uh, getting more and more electric vehicles involved in this, the hybrids and not using diesels or or, or traditional internal combustion engines, but using more of, uh, of hybrid or electric. That impact is as great as what you're talking about when we think about 80% reductions and from uh, some of the uh, indirect emissions that's going to show up directly into this for these teams. So when, when you're looking at like an electric vehicle versus gasoline and all that, are you guys, I'm assuming you're taking into account like the energy it takes, the energy production and the emissions to charge that vehicle. What's the difference between like the equivalent miles per gallon, you know, for every mile, like what's the reduction by using an electric vehicle? So that's a great point. And that's actually how N0 started is one of the things that's really helped us grow. We do a 24-7 emissions factors on the electric grid. So I can tell you what the uh, carbon intensity is in Luxembourg at 2 a.m. versus 2 p.m. of the electric grid. So being able to correlate charging times to what the carbon intensity is of the grid uh, supporting it is exactly how we were able to kind of uh, put together what the avoided emissions are in that race between an internal combustion engine and an electric vehicle. Because you have to have that, right? That is the missing piece of that data. And so the data we're doing uh, that we're providing is, is very granular data because at the end of the day, you can't change what you can't measure, right? And we have to measure. That's the only way we can make changes here. So what is the, you know, per mile savings going, you know, in total emissions, all things counted from electric to gasoline car, like an average or? Uh, I mean, you're looking north of 90%. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. And again, it, 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 sometimes it's a hundred percent. If you're charging with uh solar powered, you know, there's power charging stations that have solar power or depending on the grid intensity of a given hour that can go up or down. But yeah, I mean, um, some of the things we're seeing is based on the charging environments. It was, it's dramatic. Nice. And so you guys were running a competition for the teams to see which team could have the lowest impact, lowest footprint during the event. Who won? That will be announced shortly, and we will make sure to let you know. It's it's a lot of data because again, it wasn't just when the tour uh, when the race ended. It was about moving out too. And Andy, how many teams did we have this year? Eighteen. We had eighteen teams. Yeah. So what all are you looking at for the teams? Because they have their own catering, presumably. They've got all their sports nutrition cups, plates. There's so much stuff on everybody's team bus, right? Like, how do you track, and what are you tracking? In our race, it's not really like the 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 Tour de France. So actually, the people we get their menu from from the hotels. We have we have great hotels where, where they stay. And since we only reduce the number of riders per team, six per teams, we don't really put the chef uh, unless uh, two or three teams, which actually brought brought their chef over to cook, which were worked to teams. But for the rest, it, it, it's all the same. Plastic cups. We have the trash zones for the bidons in the race. I think we have to put every 30 kilometers now, we put trash zones in where they can get their, their waste from, from the muesli bars, from the bottles, and get them off. We have people who collect them. And uh, yeah, we count everything basically after the race, um, what was what was the, the team. Most of we putting a lot of effort to get, you know, all, all, all the small details out. But sometimes also we have to, you know, break a little bit and say, okay, Maybe some things are really hard to collect, especially, you know, sometimes you come to a team, I don't own them. They, they just don't want to tell you they are living on their, on their cloud, 1990-80, and they don't want to share everything, but that's my job to push them. And, you know, I don't stop bringing them to get, you know, to get the data and, and answers from them. But I think because you mentioned it before, uh, the race uh, to end zero, and uh, we will announce shortly who will be, which is the team. Who will lose less? But I think already it's quite clear. It's the, the biggest impact uh, is the how the how they travel to the race by far. Um, so if you take people, a team where there are riders or staff who are you know living living around Luxembourg or maybe are based in Luxembourg, of course, that have a big impact. Big advantage too, local. A big advantage too. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what do they win? What's the team win? We can't tell you now. You will know shortly. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Well, I like the concept of the event taking the leadership role on this because it's almost like individual choice gets lost really easily. And I, I don't say that to denigrate anyone, but I know like I try and be really, really good. I recycle everything at home. I you know do what I can, right? But when I go traveling, I'm like, I could bring my stainless cup and I get my coffee refills, but man, it's just, I got to lug it around. I'll just get my coffee in a paper cup, right? Whatever. So I, I give up pretty easily when I'm traveling. And I think with the event taking the lead on that and providing only eco-friendly options is a really good way to do it. It's like, you know, somebody who has the political will to implement the change at the the, the higher level is going to trickle down and, you know, just make it easy for everybody. And I think that's great when you can make it easy for everyone. As far as, you know, in zero goes, not just with this event, but with other things like, you know, what are maybe a couple of takeaways that we as riders you know, just living our lives, you know, what could we do? What are some of the biggest impacts you've seen across the board that, you know, would be easy changes for most people to make? The, the 
easiest changes, right? Like there's, there's the low cost and there's some that are a little more, but aren't, aren't, you know, so obviously electrification, uh, looking at electrifying, not just your, your cars, but one of the things we're seeing a lot of, cause we do a lot with corporations and their work from home. And now people coming back to the office, we're actually seeing uh, electric bicycles, uh, making a huge impact, huge impact on changing the way people are commuting to work now, especially when they have five to seven miles and they're like, well, I don't want to ride and get sweaty, but they're like, Oh, an electric bike that makes a big difference. And the emissions saved by going to an electric bike versus, uh, you know, getting in that car to drive a few miles to or from work or to uh, simple tasks is dramatic. And that's a much more low cost way to be able to do this. And obviously, we're talking to, uh, you know, a group of listeners who obviously have some love for cycling. So it's a kind of a nice way to get some balance in there. And then it goes into those other things we talked about. What are the things that you're using like a, a steel cup or where are the opportunities to uh, get rid of single use items in your life? Those are going to be some of the, the biggest changes. And, and you know, it, it goes without saying, like how you uh, set the climate in your house, how many degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius you're adjusting that temperature is a dramatic impact on the grid and when you're operating it. Um, and in the Western US, we see that impact with rolling blackouts or brownouts. And they're like, hey, turn up the temperature. There's a reason. There's a direct correlation. And when you don't uh, turn up the temperature, like on these hot days, what happens is they have to spin up the oldest, dirtiest natural gas power plants you can think of in order to provide that extra electricity as well. So there's a lot of small changes that people don't necessarily see that impact of, but have uh, in the aggregate an incredible impact, uh, which is part of why N0 exists. Corporations have that same struggle. Cycling races like the Tour Deluxe have the same struggle. Like we're trying to encourage people to make changes to reduce their impact, but again, you can't change what you can't measure. And people want to be able to see this. This is why everyone uses apps like Strava when they're riding, or they're on Peloton, you know, when they're riding at home, because they want to be able to measure, they want to be able to see, they want to be able to understand, and then make those types of improvements. So as more and more of that data becomes available, uh, it, it makes it easier for people in their day to day lives to make those changes. No different than in the future races, it'll make it easier for teams to reduce their impact because they can see what they're doing. They can understand the impact of their decisions. And that's a really exciting moment. Yeah, it just made me think we need like an N0 app that is tied to like my my grocery store shopping card, right? Because they know everything I buy, right? And, you know, or your Target card, you know, Target knows everything I buy there, Amazon. And just the app ties into that and tells you what's the what's the carbon footprint, all that packaging of everything you just bought. Having that number there might really wake people up sometimes. But anyway. You know, for me, uh, as a race organizer, I have to be careful which hat I'm taking on here. I also have bike shops in Luxembourg and I'm a, I'm, I'm a track dealer, track bicycle, which everyone knows. And so they do really a lot. Huh? So I, I see over the last years, you know, the packaging of the bike, you know, it, it, it's carton, it's no plastic anymore. It's all carton boxes. We only get shipped once a week, which is a huge impact in the re, in reduction of, of the impact. Uh, they don't ship every single piece. So, you know, the, it's only once a week, every Thursday, where we get shipped. This is happening one and a half year ago. So actually, I mean, we two bike races all over the globe. We promote cycling. We promote, we motivate people to use their bike not just to race 
races or, or to do competitions, but actually, you know, to actually commute to work. So if you have a, a track bicycle, because if you have a track bike, uh, you need to ride it for, if you commute it for 620 kilometers, which is nothing, the bike is carbon neutral. Huh? So also with the event, you know, I am, I am strict, the um, Ministry of uh, Tourism, Ministry of Sports, Ministry of Youth, this is a big sponsor for my event. So I'm also willing, you know, to show them, listen, we are doing something in order also not just to, to reduce our carbon footprint, but, but just to show the people that, that we're taking care. And on that way, you know, motivate, you know, people to, okay, get more onto maybe electric car or electric cars, electric bikes, because through the event, we would go the auto as, as a main sponsor. We show electric cars. So it, it's the whole thing also, which is important for me to show politicians, show, uh, my main sponsors that we do something different. And, and once we have the, the report finished, we can show and we can adjust uh, based on that. And I think it goes much further than just encouraging the teams to get more carbon neutral by just basically encouraging the world to take a step into the right direction. You in the US, you don't have, you know, this, uh, situations which we have here in Europe, but it also in the future, it will be a question of costs. Next year, the energy prices here in Luxembourg will go up 110%. You know, so this is a big impact for, you know, families, you know, who are living a normal life for everybody. So, you know, it also motivates, okay, think more neutral. Adam, you mentioned it, you know, to put your temperature in the house at 21 degrees and other 23 degrees is already a big difference. So we try with the, with the event, you know, to not just be better in the future, but to also motivate a whole population. And I mean, we've been in 132 countries live on TV, also showing that we, we're doing something should motivate people just to go to the right direction. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned the energy cost because I was going to ask you about that. You know, just for anybody who's not aware of current world events, you know, the energy costs throughout Europe are going to just be astronomically higher over the next probably six to 12 months, like you mentioned. And before we started recording, Andy, you said that you guys are already starting to plan for the 2023 event. What are some of the things that you're really having to look at extra hard because of, you know, the energy prices potentially being twice what they are this year? Well, um, we have to work, I do believe, on our, on our, on our hotels, which is still, you know, kind of, we had COVID time, so every rider had his own room. I hope that next year COVID will be, you know, because it can put two riders. When I was riding my time, we always shared rooms. So this year and the last three years, you know, every rider had his own room to do the, the COVID situation in order not be too close to, to someone. So I think that will be already a big difference. So we can not just reduce for us as an organizer, or as an organizer costs, but also reduce the hotel rooms. In order that I want to go 100% to an electric uh, fleet next year. I have no influence on teams. They, they come with their sponsors. If they have a Volkswagen, if they have an Audi or whatever, Mercedes, I, I cannot impact that as a, as a race organizer, but I can have an influence on our internal fleet, which uh, I want to be uh, 100% on electric vehicles next year. Charging will be challenging, but we managed this year with a lot of cars and I have no doubt that we will manage it uh, next year. Gadgets, uh, catering is still a big workplace. I call it in French, you call it chantier, uh, a big target to, to make it uh, different. And then commuting, not alone to the event. I mean, this is, doesn't make sense. You know, people driving in three different cars and becoming, you know, quite close. There's something that's an organization part, which we need to, to dig more into to make it, to optimize it for, for next year's. And I think that are the main uh, targets, which we want to challenge for 2023 so that we are getting better. Very cool. Well, that kind of exhausted my questions for you. 
curious, is there anything you guys want to add that I didn't ask about something that you found fascinating about this process? I'll say from my side, I found it fascinating how supportive the teams were in actually being part of this and, and providing this information. And again, I'll give the credit, all the credit to Andy and the rest of the organizers at the Tour Deluxe for, for really providing them that information. But the a lot of this required some survey and some time and some work from the teams to help us gather this data. And they were really supportive in, in doing so. And I think that what it speaks to is, um, in, in a very broad sense, the eagerness of the cycling community to help contribute to reducing impact and saving the planet so we can all continue to enjoy riding a, a bit more. And it, it was, for me, just awesome to, to see that kind of level of participation and support. Yeah, I think for me, it's a feedback of, of, of riders, which I'm, you know, sometimes I think still like a rider. Sometimes I'm like, a, think like an organizer and sometimes I think like a spectator, but that's the riders come to me and tell me, you know, that it was actually quite nice to have just electric cars in front of them in the clamps. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's got to be huge. No, but it is huge, yeah? because if you go up a climb with 18, 19% of radiance and you have a diesel vehicle spin in front of you, you cough. I remember me as a rider finishing stages and I had all like gray, uh, mud, dirt. Uh, this was only from the cars in front of me. And actually they Riders coming to me and said, Andy, it's great that you know implemented all the lead vehicles were only electric cars. This was our our race director's uh, uh, cars, yeah, and I think you know that's just also great to hear from a former professional and now a race organizer to you know get, get that feedback from actual you know people who just stand on the podium uh, on the world championships uh, a few days ago. Matteo Trentin was one of them, and that is you know a good motivation to even you know show them show them that we can do better in the future. Have you seen any movement from the film crews to use electric motorcycles for the, the camera guys? Not yet. It's a big target. If it's possible in the future, I hope so. But yeah, it, I, I haven't, or we have, not me, it's not me alone uh, in there. We, we haven't really dig, digged into that. But it's another point, you know, if we can electrify a vehicle, we can electrify motorbikes. And uh, that would be another, you know, big step in the right direction. Awesome. Great. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. I really well, we already use uh, a small add-on. A small add-on. Um, we already use twenty-eight like uh, LED LED walls to replace people on the road because you know these LED walls basically was like dangerous downhills, dangerous uh, left and right corner, and you know that reduces uh, twenty-eight people every day which have to you know go there on to that crossing. And the plan is also, you know, in the future, not to get less people, but just in order, you know, to have a, a, a less bigger impact to reduce, you know, people who have to commute to a, or have to get somehow to a crossing or a dangerous town with a yellow flag, you know, just let it um, automatic lead walls, which is only takes two people to put them up and down again. It's all small details, which when you really dig into that, you find more and more. And it's quite surprising uh, how much you can do with uh, a little bit of effort. Yeah, that's great. Um, but we're doing a lot of effort. We don't do a little, we do a lot of effort. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And it, it's funny listening because, you, you know, you, you could look at this top level from the outside and just hear the, see the headline, you know, Tour Deluxe tries to go green and reduce carbon. But when you start to hear like all the little things, you know, it just gives you more food for thought about how we can all kind of do better ourselves too. So really appreciate it. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate you. Thank you. 
If you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast and fill in the form to submit your idea. You'll also find links and photos for this episode there, plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at Bike Rumor on all the things. And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.